Welcome to Crossroads Connection. This is a show all about having conversations surrounding life, ministry, and culture. I want to say a quick thank you to our friends at the Truth Network for airing this program. Well, I want to welcome everybody who are tuning in right now to Crossroads Connection. And as Tyler said, we are very grateful for this opportunity we have every single Saturday at noon to come at you right here live on the Truth Network. And so we're grateful for this opportunity. We're grateful to be speaking to you today. And this program is really all about talking and having conversations about life, ministry, and culture. And our hope and goal is that something that we say today will help transform and continue to transform you to be the person that God has created you to be. And by having conversations and interviews and listening to sermon clips that deal with how to make ourselves more like Jesus when it comes to our life and our culture and our mission and purpose in being here is very, very important to me as the senior pastor. So my name is Andy George, and I'm the senior pastor at Crossroads Fellowship Church. We're a non-denominational multi-site church in Raleigh, the Triangle area, and we are so grateful for the opportunity, and we're also grateful for the people who are supporting this program, for the people who not only support it financially, but also the ones who call, who write in, who send text, email, uh, social media, and encouragement. And I want to encourage you, if you want more information about Crossroads, you can simply visit crossroads.org, and you can find out all of the information you need. And if you missed any of the previous episodes, you can actually go to crossroads.org slash radio. That's crossroads.org slash radio, and you can catch up on all the previous 20-plus episodes that we've been doing here on Saturdays. Well, we are in a trying time right now, aren't we, my friend? Uh, Wherever you're listening from at this moment, at this noon hour, I am sure and positive that, like me, you have got a lot of decisions that you're trying to make. Everything revolving around how to navigate through social distancing, to how to get my kids back to school, to maybe your job, maybe your own health and welfare. And uh, it's just a very interesting time. I think every day I look over to my wife and I kind of shrug my shoulders and and I think to myself and even say out loud, boy, I, I can't believe that we are living in this time right now. It's a very interesting process that we're going through in life, trying to figure out virtual learning. And and of course, as a pastor of a church, I know there's a lot of pastors that listen to this program. Uh, I'm with you. We are trying to figure out how are we doing church right now in this new era, this new world of digital life and media and social media. And for us as a church, you know, we have services online. We offer things throughout the week that are all virtual. But as we look to the fall... And typically fall, like most churches, and probably like many of you, it's a new season, it's a time to grow, it's a time to expand, it's exciting, and now we're here looking at this unprecedented time going, what is going to happen next week? Let alone what's going to happen mid-fall, but what's going to happen next week? But I guess I'm here to encourage you and let you know that it's not all bad either, right? It's not all like this is a horrible time to be in either. It's created some great innovation in my life. It's called great innovation in our church and in our family. But it's also done something else that I want to talk about today. And and then actually, in just a few minutes, we're going to listen to a sermon clip from a message I preached called, It's Not Just a Christmas Message. And it's coming out of Isaiah, which is a powerful book. And the passage we're going to talk about is a very iconic Christmas passage that many of you will hear at Christmas time. But the depth and meaning behind that really paints a picture to this wonderful Jesus that we serve. And what I want to get across today is as trying and hard as it might be today, don't lose sight in the reality and the fact that Jesus is still wonderful. And don't lose sight that what is God trying to show you? I think for me, if I was honest, I would say that this 
last couple of months has caused me to really reflect a lot about who I am, not only as a pastor, but also as a husband, as a father, as a friend, and as a child of God. And I got to tell you, it's been a tough little process to think through, to have enough quiet time. You know, we've been at stay-at-home orders, and I worked from home for the first several weeks, if not first few months, and now I'm back and forth between the office. But because of all that, it's allowed me to have time to just process and think about who am I and who am I becoming? And honestly, some of the things that I found out about myself as I had this time to reflect were encouraging. And I thought, wow, this is this is good. I'm on the right path. But there are also things in my life that, boy, I got to deal with and, and I got to work on. And having that quiet time really helped process that a lot. But then to take that and not just look at the world, because let's face it, we could turn on the news and turn on the world and we can get depressed really quick and you can get pretty upset and pretty emotional. Not only is all this happening now with the coronavirus, but also there's still the racial tension that we're going to face and feel that we're dealing with and navigating. And of course, this is an election season, which is a highly hot button for many people, especially this year. And then, of course, we all have life stuff going on. And it could get real easy to get overwhelmed real quick. And you might be listening right now, and maybe you are overwhelmed. Maybe you're driving in your car right now, and it's a, the noon hour, and you've got a list of things that you're running to do that you did, that you had to do over the weekend, and you're trying to figure out how to do it and when to do it, and you're feeling stressed. And I hope that for the next few minutes that you could just let that go. And my prayer for you is that you will re-fall in love with the wonderful Jesus that we serve. So as I said, in just a few minutes, we're going to be listening to a sermon I preached not that long ago out of the book of Isaiah, and I really do hope it encourages you. And before we do that, I want to thank our very awesome, incredible sponsor, and we have a quick word from our sponsor, and then we're going to jump right into a sermon I preached, and then I'll catch you at the end of it. Perhaps you've asked yourself this question, are you running the business or is the business running you? How might your teams grow if your teams were driving the business forward instead of you? you are sitting on a wealth of untapped opportunity. It takes courage to learn how to create a culture where your people are truly empowered to own their seats. My name's Cheryl Scanlon, business and executive coach. Working together, we'll go straight to your core challenges to sort through competing demands and realign to your highest priorities for measurable results. Visit c3advantage.net. That's c3advantage.net. So Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 5, it says this. He's prophesying. He's saying, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nations. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, and they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior... In battle, tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as for fuel for the fire. Now that could sound like a pretty heavy intro, but I want to break it down just real quick because it really does set the hope and the tone for the remainder of chapter 9 that we're going to read this morning. As you dive into this a little more, he's making a prophecy of the people who once walked in darkness. These are the northern tribes of, of Judah, and these are the first tribes that are invaded by the Assyrians. And so it hasn't happened yet. It's about to start happening where this northern tribe is going to get invaded. It's going to get decimated. They're going to be enslaved. They're going to run away. And it's from the Assyrians. And so what what Isaiah is prophesying is that you who are in darkness, you're about to experience 
kind of wrath, and God's going to let the enemy come in and, and really destroy because of the sins of the nation, but there's hope coming, and you who are in darkness, there's going to be light that's going to be coming along the way. And as I read that and I thought about that, of course, Isaiah is speaking to those people groups, but he's also speaking to the coming Messiah. And the hope that you and I have, that you and I do not have to live our life in darkness. Amen, somebody? That even though it might be dark for a moment, there is new mercy and new joy coming tomorrow. Amen? Like even though things seem bleak in life at times and darkness at times, that you and I have this hope of this Messiah that comes, and we're going to read in a bit, that not only does he bring life, but he brings light, and that darkness cannot overcome that light. So I'm just here to tell you, as dark as the world may seem today, it cannot compete, and it cannot compare to the light of Jesus. Come on, church, somebody. That's the Jesus we have. And Isaiah, a thousand years ago, is prophesying that that's going to happen. And of course, he's given hope to people who haven't experienced it yet. And as he, as he speaks to it, he speaks about multiplying the nations and increasing the joy. The ministry of the Messiah is going to bring great joy and gladness to Israel. And again, I'm just here to tell you, the same Messiah came and is able to give you and I great gladness and joy today, this morning. He says that they're going to rejoice as in the time of harvest, when all the hard work is paid off and the bounty has come. They're going to rejoice as they divide up the spoil. He gives homage to Midian, which is homage out of Judges chapter 7, to Gideon's great victory. And I love the word picture. Don't miss this. At the end of that passage we read it, it talked about rolling up the garments that have been dripped in blood and, and the boots and the shoes that were worn, and they burn them. And what they would do in biblical times, it's a biblical thing. Listen to this. This is so, I love this. When the battle is fully won, do you hear me? When the victory is complete, that's what they would do. And what he's saying is that there is victory coming for the church. There's victory coming for Israel. There's a Messiah coming that is going to bring with him victory over everything we're facing in life. And that word picture that, is, that Isaiah is giving them, it's that in the days when battle and victory is absolutely complete, and he's painting the picture of this victory that the Messiah is coming, that the Messiah is here. This victory is solid. And again, each one of these promises, just listen to these promises. The references to great joy, the breaking of the yoke and the burden and the rod of the oppressor, and the complete victory over all the enemies has got major spiritual and life applications of Jesus' work in our time right now. Amen, somebody? Like, that's the Jesus he's painting, and that's who we serve. To me, it was a great reminder, especially right now, especially as there are so many complete unknowns tomorrow. It was such a great reminder that the work of Jesus is done, that the victory is already his, that even though he says in this world we're going to have troubles and trials and tribulations, what else does he say? He says, but take heart, I've already overcome them. Listen, I believe that. Do you believe that? Like, I really believe that. I believe that when Jesus says you're going to have troubles, I believe that. I'm married. Hello, somebody. There's going to be troubles, all right? I got a teenager and a college student. I get it. There's going to be trials and tribulations. My daughter is going to be driving in August. Come on. There's going to be trials and tribulations. I get it. We see each other all the time. We, we live with people. There's going to be trials. But then there's going to be the deep trials. You know what I'm saying? There's going to be the deep trials of that report that comes. There's going to be the deep trials of life that hits us and we respond. And sometimes we feel like life just keeps hitting us. And we're just responding, and it's hard, and it's difficult. There's loss, there's pain, there's hurt, there's wounds. And Jesus never promised that it was going to be easy. 
He never promised us that we'd be free from pain. He never promised us that we'd be free from trials and tribulations of any kind. But what I'm excited about is that as true as that is, it's also true when he says he's already overcome it. And you and I can live a life of victory, a life that is filled with the lights and life of Jesus if we grab a hold of who he is and the characteristics and the pictures of who he is. These promises are for us. It's a great reminder that Jesus is never afraid. Jesus is never surprised. God and Jesus did not have a conversation back in March wondering where in the world this coronavirus came from. None of them panicked. None of heaven panicked when that happened. And they're not panicking today. I love as we were singing that song. It speaks about trust and hope. We spoke a little bit about it last week that because Jesus is with me today, I can have hope for tomorrow. Because I have hope for tomorrow, he gives me power for today. Not just to endure it, not just to make it one more day, not just to make it another hour, but to truly have life, to, to live life where we are right now. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 to 7. You with me this morning, church? Isaiah 9, 6 to 7. This is a verse you're all going to know, you're going to recognize. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. On the increases of the government and the peace will there be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. I want to focus in on that verse 6 where it speaks about the name, and his name will be called, and it mentions actually five different attributes that are woven within those four contexts of his name. You know, the name that he's given, this name, the idea is that he's not just called those names. The idea is that it's not just something that he can have a title for. Instead, these are aspects of his character. The very character of Jesus is woven inside of those five names, those five attributes. It describes not only who he is, it also describes what he can do. And I don't know about you, but I can use every single one of those characteristics today in my life. There is so much meaning behind the name and the power of Jesus. As we said already, there is no other name under heaven. There is no other name that matches the name of Jesus. Not only in salvation, but also in power, in life, and all that he is. And it's that name that everybody's going to bow one day. Either on this side or on the other side of eternity, every knee that's ever been created is going to bow to the name of Jesus, to the person of Jesus. I can't wait to jump into this with you. The first one is this, number one. Probably the most important thing you're going to hear this morning is that the Messiah is wonderful. That he's wonderful. In some contexts and texts, they break apart wonderful counselor into two different pieces, wonderful and counselor, but either way, he is wonderful. And again, I just want to remind you this morning of the glory of who Jesus is and his character of who he is, that he is wonderful. And that wonderful name of Jesus should absolutely fill us with wonder and awe, that he is wonderful. I'm telling you, if you don't think Jesus is wonderful, you don't really know Jesus. You don't. You cannot know Jesus and not think that he's wonderful. You can't experience his freedom and his salvation and his love and not know that he's wonderful, that he absolutely is wonderful to us. And I think about the context of how wonderful he is, that this wonderful Savior comes and he dies on a cross for us, 
This wonderful, beautiful Savior comes and gives me life. He is wonderful. And I get it, at times it's hard to see the wonder and the awe. At times we take this Jesus and make him our size. We make him human size. We take away the awness and the wonder and the beauty and the power that is in the name of Jesus. And maybe this morning you're wondering, hey, I, I hear you, but I haven't seen how wonderful he is. I'm still waiting on this wonderful Jesus. I'm still waiting on the good news to start happening in my life. And I get it. I do. And I think probably everybody here in this room or watching online understands that as well. That at times we know in our minds and understand how wonderful he is that he's got the power to heal us. He's got the power to teach us, to give us life, to heal wounds. He has all these powers of resurrection life inside of him. And he is wonderful. He's beautiful. And I wonder how often we lose sight of that. How often we lose sight of the beauty and the awe and the wonder of Jesus. And we lose sight because of circumstances. We lose sight because of what we're going through in our life. But I just want to encourage you with something. I really do want you to get this. You can imagine the day that one day that every one of us is going to stand and look into the face of Jesus. Everybody that's ever been created is going to stand and look into that face of Jesus. And there's something just so magical and beautiful and awe about the fact that Jesus, with his nail-pierced hands, will embrace us one day. But I want to encourage you with something. That you and I don't have to wait until we step into eternity to feel the love of a Savior the nail-pierced hands that died for you and for me to embrace us right here and right now and fill us with wonder and with awe. But again, I get it. At times it's tough. At times circumstances and the news and everything else that's going on in our life, sometimes it, it makes God feel so very small in our life. Sometimes we lose sight of the wonder and awe. And part of what I'm hoping this morning is that this will be a reminder that we serve a Jesus that is so wonderful. And he knows you. He doesn't just know about you, that he knows you. And he wants to do life with you, just like he wants to do life with me. And, and in our circumstances, something I've learned over many years, is oftentimes in our circumstances, it's hard to see Jesus. But then as you go through it and you look back, you see Jesus' hands all over it. And you see how wonderful he actually was going through it. I thought a lot about this this week. You might not realize this, but today, to the date, a year ago is when we had a fire in our church. A year ago today. I remember getting that call late at night. I thought David Howell was joking and messing with me because I was on sabbatical. I was on break. And I got a call about 11, 11.30 at night saying, hey, there's a fire at the building. And at first I thought he was joking. Then I'm thinking, well, he wouldn't do a joke at 11.30 at night. This is probably serious. And I remember getting here to the building and standing right out in the parking lot out there seeing fire trucks. You could see smoke coming through all the doors and they had punched holes in the ceiling and the walls to get smoke out. I remember standing out there and I'll be honest with you, at that point I wasn't like, hey, thank you Jesus for ruining our church. There was nothing in me that was at that time, at that moment, saying, hey, Jesus is wonderful. It wasn't. I wish it was. I wish I was that spiritual, but it wasn't. I was thinking, I think we got to cancel church tomorrow. Well, what are we going to do? I remember standing out there. In fact, David Howell sent me an email that I sent to our elders in our church. 
And I wanted to read a part of it. I guess I want to get across that there's times in our life that sometimes we feel that Jesus might not be wonderful until we go through what we have to go through and see how absolutely wonderful he was the entire time. Elders, I wrote this. I'm letting you know that I'm here at Millbrook campus. It's 1.30 in the morning. There was a fire in the warehouse which triggered the sprinkler system. We're still waiting to get into the building. But at this point, it appears as though most of our building has severe water and smoke damage. I'll update you all as soon as we know more. And at this point, it seems highly unlikely that we'll have church on Sunday at Millbrook. And we'll have to see what next week looks like. I sent a similar email to our church that same morning. I remember around 3, 4 in the morning was the first time we were able to get into this building. And I've never seen anything like it. You walk into this building, this building is 200,000 square feet. More than 80% of the building, there was about two inches of water everywhere. Uh, There was smoke in this room so thick you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. The fire in the warehouse had triggered sprinkler systems and smoke. It was everywhere. I remember taking my first steps into the door, looking down the hallway, and you could see just the strobes, and there was just smoke. And I remember taking that first step and my foot hitting water all the way up there from the warehouse. I remember walking around that building with just a few of our staff that were here, and we're all figuring out what to do. And, and I remember just saying out loud multiple times, what do we do now? Listen, I, you might think I'm really smart. I don't, I don't think that, but you might think that. But I never took a class in seminary on how to deal with a church fire. Just like I never took a class on how to deal with a global pandemic. I don't know if you did. You know, Pastor Lee, I don't know if you took a class down in Southeastern about that. But I, they didn't do that at Valley Forge. I remember walking around going, what, what are we supposed to do? What's next? And you just feel like you just got a, a, a gut blow and, and you don't know what's happening. I remember going home and then coming back with my wife a few hours later and the restoration company that did a phenomenal job here, they were already ripping things out and putting blowers in and putting tubes in and we had to cancel church and we were like that for weeks and weeks and months. We had still had tubes in this building, it still smelled like smoke. And as if that wasn't bad enough, we start to get a little bit of hope going into the new year. This year of transformation is going to be an awesome year. And then early on, we start hearing a virus in China and then in Italy and then in the West Coast. And then we start having conversations internally about what are we going to do this Sunday. And sure enough, four months go by and we don't have anybody in the building. Now here's the other side of that. Just as an example, something that we all experienced and I lived through this last year, this has been a a rough year in a lot of ways for a lot of us. And there were a lot of times where I sat there and went, God, I know you're here somewhere because I've known you long enough to know that you're here somewhere. You ever find yourself saying that? God, I know you're here somewhere. I I know you're somewhere in the midst. And I know somehow, some way you're going to do something from this, but right now I just don't feel that way. Right now, I feel a little abandoned. Right now, I feel a little lost. Right now, I don't feel like Jesus is so wonderful. Can I just be honest this morning? Because I venture to say that many of you felt that way over this last year. And the good news is if you haven't yet, you probably will this next year. So just hang in there. It'll circle around to you. See, that's the first part that Jesus talked about. In this world, you have troubles. But then you look back, and I look back standing in a worship center today in a gorgeous building that we would not have been able to do in the rest of the years that I would have here 
to get our building to look and to be this way had it not been for that fire. And you look back and you say, God, I, I would have much rather you had a multimillionaire come hand me a check for a few million dollars and say, hey, why don't you redo your building? Here's several million dollars. But I never got that. Instead, I think God said, well, then we're just going to have a little old fire. <laughs> and we're just going to get there this way. And you look at everything else going on. And, and then, of course, you step back and you start looking at finances and everything else happening. Can I share a little good news with you? You know, n- not only did we able, were we able to get this building because of that fire, by the way, without spending a dime out of our money. Can I get an amen on that? It wasn't it's somebody's money. It wasn't our money. But also, we just ended our fiscal year last week. Our fiscal year started the first day of a new fire, which is not a good way to start a new financial year. It started August 1st. It just ended. And despite a fire, despite a virus that had a shutdown from in the building for months and months and months, can I tell you the good news is that we ended our general giving within just about $20,000 of our actual needed giving this last year. Come on, that's, that's an awesome thing. Well, I hope you found that message encouraging. As I said, this is a time for us to not only talk about life, ministry, and culture, but hopefully today this is an opportunity for you to be encouraged and be reminded, listen, Jesus has you. He has a situation. He's got it under control, and he is still wonderful. So, my friend, thank you again for taking time to listen in on this program. And for more information about this radio program, you can go to crossroads.org slash radio. You can also go to crossroads.org for more information about Crossroads Fellowship. And if you do not have a home church, I want to personally invite you to come check out one of our locations. You can find out all the information on the website. And we want to encourage you. So be blessed. We're praying for you. And thank you again for listening to Crossroads Connection. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that that message, Practical Wisdom, was an encouragement to you. Thank you to C3 Advantage, and thank you to all of our listeners for joining us. We look forward to you joining us on the next show. Your success as a leader hinges upon buy-in from your teams, clear and consistent communication from you, and strategic delegation. My name's Cheryl Scanlon. C3 Advantage helps you steward your most valuable resource well, improve retention, grow employee engagement, and generate higher team and individual ownership. The success of your organization begins with you and depends on your team. Go deeper as a leader and watch your organization go further. Visit c3advantage.net at c3advantage.net.